This podcast is brought to you by OnTrack Studio. You're listening to Boring is Bad for Business. As a brand studio, we've seen too many brands play it safe and it's causing them to get lost in a sea of sameness. With this show, we want to encourage business leaders to embrace what makes them different and translate that into bold brands that delight and spark emotional connections. I'm Suji. And I'm Joel. Hope you enjoy the episode. Now let's get into it. We begin today by acknowledging the Gubby Gubby people as the traditional owners of the country we are recording in today. We recognise their continued connection to the land, waters and acknowledge they never ceded sovereignty. We pay our respects to elders past and present and extend that respect to all First Nations people listening today. Today we are joined by Employee Experience Specialist and Leadership Coach Harita McMullen from Third Space. So Harita is a Brisbane-based, as I said, employee experience specialist and leadership coach who works with companies from all the way across Australia to both A, you know, company level, transform their employee experience, but also develop leaders, the next generation of leaders to be more capable, confident and inspiring. And um, we've worked with Harita a little bit and I absolutely love everything that you do. You completely opened my (laughs) eyes to what HR is, and we can get into that, to what workplaces should be. And I guess why I absolutely loved what you do is because we see that there's such a connection between workplace culture and brand. As you know from the name of this this podcast, if you're listening, uh, we're a brand studio. We really specialize in helping people develop a non-boring brand. As a part of our process and we're trying to, when we're trying to articulate that brand story, we actually ask a question is, how do you define your culture? We're looking for clients at this stage of the process to say, hey, I would define our culture as fun, connected, collaborative. Uh, people might even go out there and say it's brazen. We can be bold with who we are. We also, on the flip side, it's not just about asking the leaders that we develop these brands with. We also go deeper and ask their employees, like, what do you, how would you describe the culture and the workplace that you work in? And then through the process of branding, what we're doing is trying to join up the leadership vision and the intention for the culture, but also understand what is the lived experience of the people who are in that organization and then find a common point between them. And as a part of the brand development process and the branding storytelling, we start to unpack that culture and and tell that through a brand space. But what a big issue is that we can do all of that work. It then needs to translate into the workplace And what I learned from talking to you, Harita, is that typically HR, which is where you kind of had been with your business, they are the champions of culture. They are the champions that will see this brand live in the workplace. So I guess, first of all, welcome to the show. When we first met Harita at a dinner and you said you were a HR coach, which is where you were originally playing, I have to admit that I didn't really understand what that meant, but I nodded my head. I was like, oh, you do HR? Yeah, cool. Yeah, I get that. That's great. (laughs) And after we spoke some more, I realized that I was using the outdated approach of what HR is. It's the typical understanding that HR is the, the hiring mm. and firing. Can you explain mm. that misunderstood definition of HR a little bit more and then what you think mm. it should be? I think there's a huge disconnect. I think based on my conversations with people, they distill HR down to the typical hiring, firing, boring compliance training and the parents that you get sent to when you're in trouble or when something needs to be fixed. So there's a general perception that HR are pen-pushing, rule-loving, fun police that are all for company and not for people that aren't really relatable and because of all of that, quite unapproachable. 
And I believe that these perceptions are all based on a lived experience. So I totally get where that comes from. But there is a whole other side to HR. There are so many companies and so many HR teams who do HR so differently. We just don't hear about it for some reason. So I define HR as your employee's experience. And to be able to really nail that, you do need to bring in that branding element so that each person feels the way you want them to feel throughout the whole employee journey, right from when they first learn about your company, through the recruitment process, onboarding, their time with you, right through to after they've left. So that hiring, firing, the training, that's just part of how you underpin that experience. And that can be great or it can be not so great. Yeah, and I think any person who works in brand will listen to that and say they'll connect with that idea of how you want you're really kind of crafting and working on building an experience that influences how an employee feels that's essentially what we do with brand yeah yeah so yeah and I think just to touch on that as well for the listeners you're going on this journey at the moment where you're kind of Tip, you came from a HR, HR manager role, um, and that was probably the space that, and then the service offering that you were talking about being able to provide to your, your people. But um, mm. as you've kind of worked on that, you're realizing that, hey, while the function of what I do is HR, what I actually can transform is the employee experience. So that's why we, if you're mm. listening here and you're hearing HR used sometimes and you're hearing employee experience used other times, that's why you know, the common function in a business is called HR, but really in your mind and in your your business, what you re-articulate that is, is employee experience. Oh, totally. Because I see a lot of the typical perception of HR to be policies and procedures and processes and all of that stuff. And yes, you do need that. But if you get the employee experience right and you underpin that with really intentional policies and procedures, not just chucking shit down because because putting some thought behind it you will have to deal less with the shit (laughs) because you've made some proactive action at the beginning and do you feel that you need sorry buy-in from directors and and people within leadership roles Mm. to come in and actually make an impact on the hr instead of you know yeah we're just going to get harita in and she's going to just do her thing but you know that's that's her thing do do you need Mm. buy-in from the, the that leadership you absolutely need buy-in, just like anything. If you don't have that buy-in and support, you're fighting a losing battle. So part of the HR role is to get that buy-in. And so how do we influence, how do we back up what we do with data and with facts so that we can prove that this employee experience is actually a strategic business decision and not a nice to have. Are you able to say which comes first, either HR or employee experience? Or is it a bit employee of a chicken experience employee in my experience? Mind. Yeah. So employee experience is the overall mm. strategy and then the HR is executing on that. Is that is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And that might be the flip side of what many believe, but in my experience, in my ten years as an HR professional, if you get that employee experience right, the less human resourcing that you need to do will come out of that. 
Awesome, awesome. And so, obviously, we've talked about that that stigma of someone in HR, and I mentioned to you, this to you yesterday. Like the the idea of Toby from The Office comes into to mind. Someone who's, you know, <clears throat> just a naysayer, and you know, no one really wants around. Like, how do you think? Do you think that HR position is 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 changing and, and evolving? You know, over that last ten years. Yes, I think so, and I think that comes in parallel with the societal shift that we've seen and the expectations that people have of their employers now. A classic example is we don't tend to use the words HR so much anymore. It's more people and culture. And Mm. it's around shifting the narrative, changing the story, leveraging brand uh, to, I suppose, make HR more approachable the way that it should be. And so for anybody who's on the fence, like I'm loving all of those examples that you've given, um, but they're still on the fence about whether they need HR or they need employee experience focused on in their organisation. What are some of the business cases and business reasons for having a focus on both of those functions? The things that come to mind are going to sound buzzwordy, so bear with me, but that doesn't make the value any less real. Uh, I think the key metric is that overall engagement increases. And that really impacts, in my mind, three areas. First up, turnover decreases. And of that turnover, most of it is positive turnover. And that supports your employer brand even after they've left. Uh, Two, your open communication and collaboration also improves. I know they're super buzzwordy, but it's true. Silos are filled, or at least reduced, Uh, People are less frustrated, they share information more freely, and that hand-in-hand improves productivity and innovation. It helps you get things done faster, less bureaucracy, because you've got that free-flowing information. And three, individual people, managers, and HR, or the founder, if they're the person dealing with this, spend less time and money firefighting and fixing things and cleaning up the shit and more time on that value-adding work and the work that they do best. So from a business perspective, I think all of this translates back to the bottom line. It comes back to money, right? And proactively doing this stuff is not only going to save you money, it's going to make you money. Yeah, I love that. And like being a brand, coming from the brand perspective, all of those things are like the utopia that we talk about in when we're developing a brand strategy. We're sort of going, okay, well, imagine if you could have the best workplace. What would that look like? What would be the common values that people would share? And it's just so exciting to hear that in organizations, there are people who can champion in that. Perhaps there's like the old way of thinking where it's like the reactive HR, but there's this new age kind of way of like people and culture or employee experience where brands can build that internal brand proactively. And then, of course, like you just said, all of those rewards that come out of that. 100%. So how do you feel, because I kind of get the idea you sit in the middle between employees and and ultimately management. Mm. And then sometimes you probably have to wear more of a management hat and then sometimes you got to fight you know fight for the little guy who you know might just be having a having a rough week so how do you how do you balance you know those those two relationships which are generally you know quite different ones focusing on emotion and then the other ones focusing on the the finances and the the commercial viability of the business from a personal perspective i am an empath through and through and at the beginning of my career i really had to work on 
that commerciality. Mm. I was all for people and you know, fuck the company. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's, that's not going to work at the end of the day. You need a little bit of both. So over time, I have worked on my commercial mindset, which has actually helped how I respond and help people to also understand that because people are really emotional. And by bringing in some of that pragmatic information, it can help people take a step back and understand, oh, okay. And then from the, the management side, it's almost the opposite. You're bringing in more of that human element to the business element. So it's really about finding that sweet spot in the middle, which takes a bit of practice. Mm-hmm. But I think at, from the in, at the end of the day, it comes back to have being really clear on your business goals and how you want to achieve that and being clear on the values that you have identified. And if you are so in sync and aligned with that, it comes more naturally to, yes, do right by the business, but yes, also do right by the people. Fantastic. Do you find that people, once they understand the reason that the company might be asking something of them that they don't enjoy, that once they understand the why, they're actually, the resistance can reduce if that's a problem? Oh my God, yes. And that's (laughs) a bugbear of mine. (laughs) Uh, In my experience, there's a tendency to not share some of that hard stuff and to not share the realities. And I get it, you want to protect people and there may be a confidential element to it. But if you think about yourself, you are gonna wanna know why. And it makes so much sense to bring your people along on that journey. There might be things you cannot share and that's okay, but at least acknowledging that Mm. will help people get on board and actually help you solve some of these challenges as well. Yeah, there's a really interesting podcast. I think it's a podcast that Chris Doe's on. And yeah, he talks about like his team underneath him were, well, yeah, talking about compensation like within within their team. And, and he was getting this vibe that they were sort of all getting a bit upset that he was, you know, taking 90% of the the profit off the top and walking away. And he, he had a meeting and ultimately showed them the workings. Like, you know, this is how much it costs mm. to keep the lights on. This is... And yeah, it really brought them in to be a part of, you know, the whole business. And there's no more smoke and mirrors. Mm -hmm. Everything's on the table. Um, And he was talking Mm -hmm. about how the buy-in from everyone after that meeting of like, no, we're all in this together because if we don't get this job over the line, there's there's no light, there's no electricity, there's no business, there's no job. So um, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm all for that. And it's so, so great to hear hear you say that. Absolutely. Suji and I had uh, part of a a chat earlier and it was around... There is no harm in almost approaching your people like business partners. Don't treat them like children. They're grown adults and they can handle the information. You need to empower them with it and they will make informed decisions. And yes, you might get a couple that fall off the rails, but the overall benefit is going to be so much more powerful. Um, And educating your people on some of those financials. I'm not a financial gal and when in the previous job, uh, we were educated on how the company makes money. It made so much more sense to me and not only then feeling like I was rooting for the company and, and making good decisions because I want the company to succeed, but also so much more clarity about the impact of some of my decisions. Like if I go here and I spend this money, 
really thinking about why I'm spending that money, for example, and what impact that's going to have. Yeah, and I love that. Like you said, there might be some people that fall off the wheels, but they were never your people anyway. They were never going to fight for the the company's culture and vision. So they're gone. That was going to happen anyway. But what's happened on the flip side of that, those people who were aligned with your vision and were aligned with your purpose can now just do their jobs so much better. And probably in that case where you started making more strategic decisions about where you were expensing things and how you were spending money, that's then taking pressure off somebody else who was worrying about that retrospectively because you were doing it proactively. Mm. Just jumping around a little bit, um, you know, a big thing again, you know, I see brand culture so interrelated because, you know, when we're defining the brand, like I said, we want to be, uh, you know, defining a future vision for that culture and what Mm. that looks like. In your mind as an employee experience specialist, as someone who is a HR manager and understands how to implement that, how do you define what good culture is? It's different to everybody. And I think it comes back to, A, identifying how you want people to feel, how you want people to get their work done, because you can get your work done and be an awful human. (laughs) So it's looking back at the environment that you want to sit in and work in every day. And then once you've identified that, good culture is how do you bring that to life? A lot of what I see, and it's for no other reason than perhaps the challenge of time, and there's so many other business priorities that managers and founders have, but you identify and then you don't execute. And the execution part tends to be, okay, we need to go on a team building event, let's go golfing or let's uh, have some after work drinks. And yes, that's part of culture, but it's so much more than that. And no amount of events and drinks are going to fix a damaged culture. This might relate nicely to this next question then. So our process starts with defining a purpose, mission, vision and values of a brand. Mm. And then we see, okay, great, we hand, we, co-collab- we collaborate, collaboratively create those with the leaders that we work with, the founders that we work with, and some, get some feedback and input from their teams. What mm. you're saying is, though, like with culture, you've got to actually implement it, and that's where some things fall down. So what are some ways that you do in employee experience and in HR, how do you live out those purpose, mission, vision, and values in organizations? Mm, 100%. I think the easiest way is to build it into your employee journey. So mapping out your employee experience from when they discover your brand throughout the recruitment process all the way to when you leave, identifying the moments that matter and the moments that you want to highlight, and then figuring out where are your low points right now, where are you falling short, and where are you doing really well, then identifying your priorities to maybe bring up those low points to a level that you're happy with. Uh, and then incorporating your vision, mission and values, they need to be talked about more than in your onboarding process and in your annual company update. So hit on them regularly. Build it into your company event recaps that you share on your internet or your email and build it into your CSR comms, your company quarterly updates, your team celebrations, uh, any speeches that you give. The more that you do that, the more front of mind they're going to be. And then 
in parallel to that, you need to back it up with some policies and processes and look at the approach that you take to support these things. So for example, if one of your values is um, getting stuff done, look at how many hoops someone has to jump through to get something approved or do you empower your people with the information that enables them to make informed decisions like we mentioned before so that you as the founder or the manager don't become a bottleneck and things can continue moving on so when you've got those two elements right over time people will a remember them because sometimes who remembers a company's values uh, and then once they know them, they'll start to live in alignment with them and behave in a way that supports them. Mm, I love that. And sometimes with values, I think they can be a little bit complicated. We do try to keep them <laughs> to a limited number and really simple yeah. and action-based. And I love that yeah. um, the idea of encouraging the managers and leaders in the, the team in an organization to look at those values and be honest with themselves. How well are we really doing on these values? And it's okay. I think from what I'm hearing you say, it's going to be a bit of a work in progress. Optimizing. It will never stop. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It would never stop. And I totally agree. I uh, don't know how valuable having more than four values is. Mm -hmm. When you look at the human capacity to remember stuff like that, uh, it makes it a lot harder to remember. And then you, wanting to be all and end up being nothing and probably it dilutes yeah it dilutes everything you're doing but imagine how hard Mm. it would be to all of your process and system to live by six or seven values that almost probably start to contradict (laughs) themselves at some point yeah so keep your values simple on a brand level and inside your organization and so while we're Mm. talking on values um i guess Mm. you know a, a tricky conversation and maybe a tricky question um But say you have an employee or even a director or a partner starts doing actions that are against these values. How can you see, you know, that conversation sort of taking place? Is it just a tap on the shoulder and being like, hey, Bruce, it's always Bruce, but hey, Bruce, like what's going on here? This is not what I agreed upon. Like do do you have an approach that people could kind of take and and implement within Mm -hmm. their business if they see that happening? Absolutely. Put out the fire first. It's a spot fire don't let it become a bushfire and what i mean by that is talk to them take the complication and the scariness out of a feedback conversation and talk to them human to human because chances are they're not doing it on purpose chances are they don't have the bigger picture in mind they don't have the why and so that's playing out in their behavior so approach that small conversation with curiosity and empathy to figure out how things are going and then over time if nothing is changing then I'm a great fan of a bit of a blunt (laughs) open honest this is the lay of the land I'm not beating around the bush type of conversation Mm -hmm. and that can just help people gain perspective and in in a nice way put a bit of a fire up their butt when they realize, okay, I need to pull my head in a little bit. Yeah, I love that. But all, I do want to caveat that by saying always with positive and kind intentions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take that emotion mm-hmm. out. 
it kind of yeah. touches, I think, on the other part of your business. So one part of your business is employee mm. experience, HR. The other side is developing leadership and leadership mm. skills and capable leaders. Because what I hear you saying in that is that you need to say there is an issue where your brand values aren't being lived up to by certain people in the team. Bruce. Bruce is just not pulling his weight. It's going to take somebody with leadership skills to approach Bruce in a kind and helpful way and put out that spot fire. So in that way, I totally get now why you have leadership as part of your service offering because if you want to improve and optimise that employee experience, the people who are going to do that are the leaders. So what are some... I guess what happens in a typical organization and like how are there enough people, is there enough emphasis on leadership ability and what separates a great leader from, you know, maybe a man, like somebody who's managing? First of all, I don't think there's enough emphasis on great leadership. I think we talk about it and there's a bit of a buzzword around it. But when it comes to putting, for lack of a better phrase, money where your mouth is, I think we fall short in investing in our managers and our leadership team especially at the beginning of their career. From all the conversations that I've had with managers with different levels and different years of experience under their belt, they have had to learn by trial and error, run through the fire, and yes, they're doing good where they are now, but it's taken a lot of time. They've taken a hard approach to it because they haven't had the time and money invested in them with leadership training. So I maybe pull back a little bit. When people promoted into a management position, it's either because of necessity, which is, I think, a common case with founders, or because they're really good at what they do on an individual contributor level. And so they're promoted into a management role. But of course, they have no idea how to manage because <laughs> We're talking about managing people, why would right? you? If you've <laughs> never I think done you're talking it. about me, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So we've put them in this position and we expect all of these great things, but we don't help them along the way. We may say, uh, yep, put your hand up if you have any questions. I'm here for you. But that is generally the extent of it. And then things are problem solved as you go. And that proactive element that we're talking about isn't there so much. So in the work that I've done with leadership training, the impact has been mind-blowing and it's where I get so much of my fulfillment from because at risk of sounding a little I don't know what the word is but you'll find the word it changes people's life when you think about your own career and the listeners as well I'm sure everyone has had an average manager perhaps even a terrible manager and the impact that has on your own experience at work and your mental health and your level of stress and anxiety is huge. And then if you've had a great manager, I've had some incredible managers, they're so inspiring and you feel like you can really kick some absolute butt in your job. It makes a huge difference. They do some Jedi mind tricks. It's like they don't even ask you to do the work, but you want to do the work and you want to contribute. Yeah, Yeah. there's definitely, I've had the joy and pleasure of being working underneath some incredible leaders like that and it's like Mm. you don't even realize that you're being encouraged or kind of ushered into a certain direction you sort of feel like you're doing it for yourself exactly and that's a huge part of 
the message that I send is managing people and leading people gets to be easy. It doesn't have to be hard and going to work should also be easy. It should be fulfilling and dare I say fun. It doesn't have to be a hard slog. We actually have a, we just recorded a podcast before we jumped on here about mental health. So I think these episodes Mm. tie in really nicely together. And I guess touching on on mental health and um, cool segue. Thanks for that, Suji. Um, yeah, like that's a that's a massive topic with with people now. You know, everyone's becoming a lot more aware, a lot more comfortable putting their hand up and saying, "I I do have a problem." So you know, from a leadership perspective, how do you you know they're again very d- difficult conversations, um, especially for someone who isn't mm. trained in you know mental health and and, and working mm. with people's headspace. You know, what's a realistic expectation for from a leadership perspective of being able to you know facilitate those conversations with employees? I think the first step is to understand that the expectations we have of employers now have changed dramatically and there is an expectation for you to support your people's mental health. That could look different to different companies, but a couple of pragmatic options are to have what's called an employee assistance program, an EAP. That is a online, on-phone access to psychologists and yeah. therapists and delivered well that can really work, delivered not well, then it becomes a service that no one actually uses. So you've got that, I think, having open, regular conversations between manager and employee is vital and not just about work. So getting to know your people on a personal level is really important. Through those conversations, you'll start to learn about a person's personality. And so when something is wrong, you should pick up on that a lot faster. And then you can hit on that really quickly. uh, And again, a very kind and understanding and curious way and collaboratively work together to design a solution that suits them. So for example, a lot of uh, mental health challenges in the workplace can be from stress and anxiety. So working with them to identify the source of that stress and then backing them and actually problem solving and trying to fix it with them. Were you in our last episode? <laughs> we <laughs> shared that like in just to, to, to demystify what mental health is a little bit, we shared that um, it can be a mental health challenges can be about stress. It doesn't have to be this shrouded kind of mysterious mm. disease or illness. Mm. Really interesting. So, 100%, yeah. So a lot of, and one of the things that I don't want to happen here is people say, oh, this is all amazing, but I have a small organization. Mm. I am mm. a founder and I have a few subcontractors or I have a team, but there's only 10 people in them. So no, I can't mm. do anything in this HR employee experience and leadership space because I am just mm. too small. I don't mm. believe that. I think that even Joel and I could learn so much about leadership because we collaborate with subcontractors, we collaborate with interns, we collaborate with clients, mm. and mm. there is an element of leadership there. And employee experience, 100%, we could design, like that's a design, I see that as a design challenge, like we get to like map that mm. out and optimize it, love that. But what do you <laughs> have to speak people who say, well, I'm too small, this doesn't apply to me, what do you say to mm. them and how can they make this apply to them? Mm. I think first up, I totally understand that. There's a thousand and one things that a small business owner has on their plate. So I think the starting point is to 
take the complicatedness and the bigness out of it. Build it into your normal, everyday company strategy. Uh, the easiest place to be would, as we've mentioned before, map out that employee journey, just like you do with a customer journey. Figure out those low and high points that we've already mentioned. Identify a small number of priorities because you don't have to do it all. In my work, um, I started at a company and they didn't have any of the stuff that we've been talking about really. And it took two years to build elements across the entire employee journey. And I don't say that to scare anyone. I just say that it's going to take time. So take the pressure off yourself by trying to achieve it all within six months so once you've identified your top say three or four priorities for the year then bring in your people talk to them about what you want to do involve them in the strategy get that buy-in not only will that build a sense of accountability and ownership but it'll also help take the workload pressure off of you and spread it throughout the team love that I do see a lot (laughs) of commonality in um you know the brands that we build, I want to say employee experience mm. and HR, it's about bringing those brands to life. In your experience, mm. have you teamed up with marketing before with that intent in mm. mind and has it worked? Yes, and a thousand percent. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked earlier on in my career without the support of marketing teams, so I know the outcomes that you can deliver there. And then later on in my career, I've worked with marketing teams and it's like chalk and cheese. It's so different in a really great way. Um, I've partnered closely with marketing teams to really bring our goals to life and to communicate them in a way that is relatable, that resonates with people and that really lands. So on a pragmatic level, just as an example, this could look like building out a tone of voice. And I know many companies have an external tone of voice, but also looking at your internal tone of voice. It could be creating internal branding assets to really make your comms pop so that it's not simply words on a page or in an email. You've got some color, uh, something interesting about it. It could be building a whole campaign around the delivery of a project, uh, which parallel to that brings people in on that journey to get that buy-in of that project so that it lands well. Or it could be also designing interactive launch events. Being creative, having fun with what you're delivering. Um, And at the end of the day, the results were mind-blowing, phenomenal. As As a generalization, the uptake was great. The turnaround times were great. The completion rates were great. The engagement scores were well above what I have seen delivering this work without the support of a marketing team and what I've seen with the support of a marketing team. So good to hear. So good to hear. And it's like just treating mm-hmm. the internal people as with as much um, intention, care, consideration mm-hmm. as we do our customers. I think we see our customers yeah. as a big dollar sign above their head. But yeah. what's probably invisible is that there's still big dollar signs above, well, it's probably not on, invisible on the P&L. Your team have big dollar signs above their heads too But you can improve how much return they're going to get if we kind of just treat them with like, okay, well, some of the same psychology that we do in the marketing space for clients. I love that. Building in that psychology and a lot of 
how I deliver what I deliver is touching on elements of neuroscience and human psychology. And A, it's very interesting, but B, it makes a difference to how we behave. And I guess getting that um, alignment, you know, with what, what you're pushing out mm. in, internally and what's talked about internally and, and making sure there's no disconnect there because as soon as there's a disconnect, mm-hmm. especially from a, from a customer standpoint of, you know, you, you're marketing, mm-hmm. you're saying this, you say you represent that, but then I come mm-hmm. into your office and, and bump into good old Bruce again <laughs> and, yeah, he's just got this attitude and, it, and it's completely misaligned and it's like you lose that customer instantly um, and, yeah, then you have to deal with Bruce all afternoon. Absolutely. A common challenge I hear about and have also experienced in my career is that, like you say, we put a lot of emphasis on that external brand because it's it's public, right? Mm -hmm. So many more people see it. And then we, there's a misalignment and a disconnect between how that translates internally. And that in turn translates to how your people talk to your customers. And as a brand strategist, I'm like, stop putting that disconnect out there. No, no, no. It needs to be smooth <laughs> yeah, and connected. Yeah, and it's also not intentional. Yeah. It's, this is the perhaps common challenge of the HR industry is educating people on how it's a strategic pillar of your business. Oh, yeah. Like through this chat, I'm like, hey, it needs to start in the business strategy. There's time and resources mm. put to people and culture, employee experience. And then as mm. soon as you create that time for your A in your business, your leaders are going to have more time on their plates to lead. Yeah. They're not going to be expected to be doing mm. their entire job. Um, there's someone who's championing the employee experience. And mm. it then that's how you create real impact in your business. Absolutely. And a lot of the challenges I hear that managers face is that a lot of their time is spent firefighting and problem solving and that's frustrating it's not the best type of work anyone ever wants to do so by dedicating a bit of upfront time to getting the stuff right will save you time in that cleanup work i love that and and at the moment you're obviously coming in and consulting with with organizations um do you see the benefit because because i clearly do of of having that external consultant coming in instead of you know someone mm-hmm. who's a, a full-time employee in that HR, mm-hmm. HR position. Do you, do you have a, a stance on that? I do. I think sometimes we can sit so close to it that we don't see it very clearly. Mm-hmm. So by having an external lens and that impartial view, you're able to cut through the noise a lot quicker and get results a lot faster. Yeah, yeah and it's easier to hear tough news, I think, from somebody else where that emotion yeah. doesn't come from if it has to be tough. On a more positive yeah. note, and probably one of the last questions I have for you, who are mm. the organisations that you see that are doing an exceptional job in employee experience and culture, leadership? I love it. Um, so a couple of months ago, I was actually so tempted to ditch this whole business thing and apply for a role with Blackbird Ventures. Uh, one of my mentors sent me a job ad for a role that they had in their HR team and I could feel the culture ooze out of their job ad and their comms. And the main message that struck me with that was that the role was empowered to do whatever they wanted to do. 
So from an HR perspective, that gave me a great insight into the fact that employee experience and people were a key business priority for them. So whilst I'm on the outside looking in, I obviously don't know the reality. That alone was different to so many other companies that I have seen out there. And I have read a lot of job ads <laughs> in my time. And this is one that will forever stick in my memory. Must have been um, very good. I think it was. It You'll have to share that really on your was. socials so everybody <laughs> can see it still exists. Yeah. <laughs> it really, really was. And uh, look, I think I'm going to get a couple of eye rolls here, but another company that I love is Atlassian. I'm a huge fan. The work that they're doing in their research arm of their business, I think it's called Work Life, is awesome. It's thought-provoking. It's leading the charge on turning the tide on how we approach employees in our businesses i think they're really doing some amazing things i have a couple of friends who work there and i'm just a little bit jealous <laughs> uh, and then the third company that comes to mind is a company called linktree i think a lot of people will know them when you go on your instagram links that's the company who builds that They've just gone through a rebrand as well recently so some of our listeners in yeah. a design space and brand space may know them for that too yeah, yeah. I really admire their approach to inclusivity and their benefits around things like parental leave, mental health, flexibility. And whilst benefits aren't the be all and end all of a, a company culture, it certainly is telling. Uh, and I think some of those decisions reflect on how they value and treat their people. So. Like I said, from the outside looking in, I don't know what the realities of working in these workplaces are, but they look amazing and they're doing a great job in a way that I think we can all learn from. Your spidey senses and experiences probably give a few clues as to when you're reading yeah, reading up about them and seeing them out in the marketplace. Thank you yeah. so much. Um, this conversation is, you know, we've been here for almost an hour and everything you've said, I've learned something along the way, I think. Such a fascinating topic. Absolutely love it. I hope the people who are listening, you have learned something too. Is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, how can they keep in touch with you? Do you have any resources that can help in these spaces? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am at third underscore space on Instagram and Harata McMullen on LinkedIn. Um, and I think in terms of helping to translate what we've talked about today into reality. A lot of the challenge is time. We're all short on time. And a lot of that comes from not being able or not having the confidence to delegate well. Mm -hmm. And so I've actually built a five-part email series on how to delegate because it's easier said than done. And... If you're wanting to grab a hold of that, then I'll send you the link to pop in the show notes as well. I think I'll that do it for myself. Oh, abso think. Absolutely. <laughs> I, don't know if I'm, I won't share that don't worry about with anybody. The no, I'm kidding. <laughs> send it this way. Oh, it's helped me too. I think when I learned how to delegate, my life changed as well. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you again. Mm -hmm. Listeners, please, we'll share that. Do it. I'm going to do it. Let us let's let me know if it helped you. <laughs> Send us a comment. Yeah. And um, thanks again for joining us. 
thank you so much. This has been an awesome, inspiring chat. I love it. Thanks, Serena. 